listening to The Wonder Women of Aviation, a podcast that helps preserve the history of women in aviation and highlights women involved in aviation. Each episode, we meet with women, both in and out of the cockpit, to talk about their passions, experiences, the history of aviation, and how they make an impact. So strap in and hang on tight as we soar through the skies with these wonder women of aviation. The following podcast is presented for entertainment purposes and should not be used as flight instruction. The comments, opinions, and discussions provided by guests are their own. Please consult your own CFI for flight instruction. Knowledge and AC a person. Welcome to the Wonder Woman of Aviation. Uh, my name's Natalia. We're here at the hangar at Battle Creek Air Show, and I have encountered Amanda. Amanda is part of an all-women's skydiving team called the Misty Blues. Amanda, thank you for <laughs> doing this impromptu interview. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I want to start out with the name. So uh, tell me a little bit more about like where you came up with the Misty Blues as soon as this jet passes by, <laughs> uh, I don't know, there's two flying in the air. All right, so tell me a little bit more about Misty Blues, the name. Uh, I know you started in 1981, started doing air shows in 86. So just walk me through like a little bit about the history of it. All right, so the team um, got started kind of, kind of unofficially in 81. And then in, I think, 1984 or 85, um, Sandy Williams, kind of took over the team and organized it and um, the Misty Blues have been a member with ICAS since 1986 and so then um, the Misty Blues started performing at air shows and not just doing skydiving demonstrations at different events and sporting events and stuff um, that they got into performing at air shows and um, and then after a while, or I think it was like 12 years, Cindy Irish um, took over the, the team um, after, I think, about 12 years okay. or so. And then and then she ran it for 13 years, and then, and then I took over the team in, I think, 2014. Okay. <laughs> you know, this year's been crazy, so you're like, what happened to 2019? Oh, no. Math. <laughs> Math. It's actually my best subject, believe it, it really? or not. Okay. I'll, I'll let you slide. It's, it's the pressure. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's the pressure of that. And you got a mic in your face. <laughs> okay, so you started, um, you took over the team, what, over seven years ago? Yep, I think so. Okay, that's yeah. about right. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, so what made you want to pursue skydiving? I know for me personally, I'm afraid. I'm deathly afraid of heights. So what made you decide, okay, I'm going to get in a plane. I'm going to jump out of it. Um, my mom kind of helped with that, actually. Okay. Um, because, um, so I was a workaholic when I was a teenager. I always, I've always had two jobs, worked full time or time and a half while, while in high school. And there was one afternoon I had no jobs to work and I was bored and I was sitting in my mom's kitchen and, and I was like, what do people do when they're bored, mom? And she was like, why don't you go watch TV? And I was like, but what do I watch? What's on? Because <laughs> I don't, I still don't own a television. Really? Wow. Yeah. And okay. so, um, and then she was like, well, why don't you, why don't you go shopping? And I was like, to buy what? I have everything I need. I don't want to just spend my money. I work too hard for it. And then she was like, well, I don't know, Amanda, like 
just go do something. And I was like, wow, I feel like an old person. My life is so boring. I don't even have any hobbies, nothing. Right. And I was like, I need to do something exciting, like jump out of an airplane. And she looked at me and she goes, don't you dare. And I was like, <laughs> done. I, do it I got up right there, right in front of her face, went to her phone, called information. This was before the internet existed. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> called, I dialed 411, and I, <laughs> and I asked for uh, a skydiving place, and they gave me a number, and I called and set up the appointment, and I went that weekend. And then after my first uh, tandem skydive, I would try, I tried to go back to work and act like a normal person, but it was stuck in my head. The whole, like, the whole experience, I just kept replaying it in my head, and it was so distracting, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. I have to do it again for like a week. And I was like, that's it! And I was like, next weekend! Boom! And every single weekend since then, I just keep going and going. I just, I love it. That's one of my questions, so let me wait for this jet to pass by. <laughs> so the feeling, um, you said you, you couldn't get it out of your head. That was a feeling that I'm sure you may, you may or may not able to be able to describe. For me personally, like I went in one of those indoor skydiving places and someone's like, well, it's very similar. I'm like, I doubt that it's very similar to a wind tunnel. So can you like talk about like the feeling of when what you first felt? Like what did it feels like to be skydiving? Um, it was abnormal, <laughs> which is an understatement, but when you're all strapped up to s someone, <laughs> <hope that> was, <laughs> was that intentional? jumped out of a Cessna 182 which is pretty small and then um the guy you know strapped me like hooked me in to the front of, of his harness system and the biggest wow was when he opened the door and I looked down and my everything in my body and my head was like no 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 and I was like <gasps> like natural instincts say no don't do that at like a pretty intense level and then you have to Oh, you're missing a wheel. <laughs> Careful, you're gonna end up in my lap. <laughs> the story of my life too. <laughs> Perfectly <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> but it's gonna be beautiful. Okay, he but, opened the door. <laughs> so he opened the door and um, all my natural instincts just said, um, no, yep. no, no, no. And then I still stepped out, like, I don't know, put all, all of that under control, controlled it, stepped out of the plane and, you know, let go and free fall it was just like intense yeah and I don't have um words for um all of it but it was crazy intense amazing wonderful it was um my first tandem was a little bit overload I don't remember everything in free fall because I think it's just too much to take in all at once like the first time yeah. I so I usually tell people like when they say that they're going to make a skydive and they're like yeah I've always wanted to do it you know, then I say, then you need to do two. Because the first one, you're gonna have some little snippets of your memory just go away. Okay. Because it's just, you're, like, you're gonna take in, like, your breathing, and, and then you, like, 
your mind like blanks out like some other parts and it comes and goes in different parts because it's a whole like it's a lot to process your first time yeah, 120 miles an hour in your face you're trying to breathe with all that forced air and you're looking at the horizon and you're falling to the ground like wow. it is imminent death unless <laughs> something happens right that's not normal. No, it's not. <laughs> so, but, it, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot to process, and it's crazy, and it's amazing. That's pretty cool. I mean, I honestly, I was thinking about it, but then I'm like, I'll just stay indoor. Um, I even asked Patrick, my husband, I'm like, we we should do it. We should totally. He's like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, you fly planes upside down, <laughs> and he's like, nope. I will never skydive. So yeah, kudos to you because I think that personally, I I'm death. Like I said, I'm deathly afraid. So I'm like, well, that's no. normal. If you weren't, that is abnormal. And then if you're absolutely like not afraid at all, I'm not sure if an instructor would take you. Yeah. Because then they'd be like, why are you not afraid? Do you want to die? Because I don't want to die. <laughs> like, should I? And they, like, that makes a tandem instructor's pause like, and be like, uh, wrong with this chick. <laughs> yeah, like, what do they have planned? Why, like, why are they not nervous? Yeah, that, that's so true. So it's actually kind of a red flag if the person is totally not nervous at all. Okay. Genuinely not nervous. It's it's not a good sign. <laughs> like something's wrong with this girl. <laughs> okay, Um. so, yeah, that you described the feelings. So to become... I guess a professional, because you would consider yourself a professional. It sounds like you, um, it sounds like you had 16 with with all the team members. So there's 10 team members. You've had 16 world records, and four of them were national, 12 were state. So, do you have like a certification process to become a professional skydiver? Like when can you like do it professionally? Because obviously that's what you do as a career, right? Or most of you have other day jobs, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's part of your life. Mm-hmm. So what does it take to become a professional? Um, years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- uh, it took uh, a while, a while. Um, so the USPA, the United States Parachute Association, is our governing body. Um, huh? I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, I don't see why you would, but yeah. it's an important organization to okay. me and all of the other skydivers. So we're we have a lot of self-governing rules. Um, so that way, the FAA doesn't have you know have to get involved and stay and so it's you know the experts make their own rules and the FAA adopts those like I mean looks over those and adopts them and stuff and and it's intermingled and webbed with you know the FAA's rules and all of that um but so the the USPA has a whole student program and a whole learning progression and several pathways um that you can take to become a licensed skydiver so that you can jump on your own with your friends without an instructor or a coach or anybody guiding you okay and um after a minimum of 25 skydives and passing a bunch of tests and um, performance evaluations then you can end up being an a licensed jumper and then after that i think it's i believe it's 100 skydives or is it 50 oh now i forget But to get your B license and then 200 jumps to get the C license, along with some tests and performance um, checkoffs that you have to um, get evaluated on and stuff. And once you get your C license, then you can do skydiving demonstrations. And then there's the D license. And once you get your D license, then you can work getting your pro rating, which the pro rating allows you to do uh, extra stuff. Okay. So air shows are usually open, f- considered to be open field landing area. Um, like it's a, a really big, wide open landing area, even though we have our designated parachute landing area. So okay. it, 
the FAA um, requires that a sea license jumper does those, but to jump into stadiums or to do um, anything tricky, then you need your pro pro rating, D pro license rating. and pro rating. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at, you know, I was reading your bios. I'm like, what's the difference between C and D? I'm like, what? This is a whole different territory. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there, it's a tiered progression of getting uh, license, like your licenses to get, and other, like I said, like a checklist of evaluations and quizzes and tests that you have to do along the way. Um, and you have to be, um, like, you have to pass everything. Okay. So, so it's you, you don't actually, it, yeah. You don't have to go and get all of the licenses, um, but if you do, you can do more and cool skydives. <laughs> and like be at air shows and perform at air shows, exactly. which I saw you ladies perform, and I was like, oh my gosh, amazing. And I know the winds were picking up a little bit, so that was one of my questions, my own personal questions. I'm like, how do you, um, how do you find that target, right? And how do you maneuver or get around the winds? Is there like something that you do? Like I'm sure there is, obviously, but can you talk about that? Uh, yeah, so you probably didn't see this, but um, before we jumped out of the plane, before that, um, the air show actually started, we flew up a little bit earlier on the uh, first jump, and we threw a wind drift, or a wind drift indicator, okay. which is 20-foot long um, yellow ribbon that's biodegradable. I've seen it, it before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we throw that out at 2,000 feet, like right over our target, and then we keep our eye on it, and we watch where the wind blows it. And then we take that distance measurement, move it upwind, and then that's the spot that we get out at upwind to land back at our, at our target. Okay. So um, that's the main thing that we do. We also look at the weather and the winds at different altitudes. Um, we do that as well. Um, for me personally, whenever I'm under canopy and as soon as I open, I face into the wind and I do what I call my wind check because I jump a lot of like the really big flags okay. um, that we have. So I face in, into the wind, full flight, and I just look down and I visually see what my like how much forward speed I gain into the wind, and then I open the flag and I check it again with the flag just to double check. And then from that and experience, okay. I have over 500 big flag jumps, so I have like a D license in big flag jumps. Wow. So, so once I look at like once I do my wind check and I look at it for like three seconds, I know what to do. <laughs> Okay. But I also do that several times on the way down. The whole okay. time that I'm that I fly the uh, the flag, at some point I go and I face directly into the wind. Okay. Stop turning, look directly straight down, and so I can like gauge gauge the wind like every one thousand feet. Okay, so you're constantly checking mm -hmm. and thinking in that like, you got to be yep. in the zone. You got to be in the mode. Yep. Which... And then and then try to figure out like with that distance with the wind in that direction, how do I also fly the flag so that people can get good pictures of it and they can see it and right so you have to strategically place yourself in your body i guess yeah to the crowd which is yeah like any performer yeah i mean because if i was facing directly at them nobody sees anything right. not much you just see the leading edge of the flag which is yeah. you know really thin yeah you do a really it's good job of like oh my god that's pretty swirling cool. and twirling yeah. and trying to display it and yeah that's pretty cool um i wanted to talk a little bit about like your body and what it feels and like more of the I guess the training aspect of it so you do have to be physically fit like for me personally fitness is a big component of my life just being in the right physical mindset mental mindset so on and off season is there some sort of training that's involved I mean I do try to stay physically fit there's nothing specific that comes to mind actually
actually. Okay. Um, and so I live in Michigan. Okay. And in the winter, I'm from there's Chicago. <laughs> not a whole lot to do unless you're into winter sports. And I've had frostbite a lot in my life on my hands and my feet. What I'm getting at is I do indoor rock climbing okay. <laughs> in the winter <laughs> <That's a> <laughs> to stay <laughs> active okay. and warm. Okay. Um, so I've been getting into that. Um, actually, the, uh, so this past winter when the gyms like kind of started opening up and stuff and I was like getting back into it I got my first 5.11 of, of the season I was like yeah and that's how I ended it and then I had no surgery and I was like oh I can't keep going I want my 11B but but like once summer gets here and skydiving season starts like everything else goes on the back burner now how often do you have to like get in the air and practice because I know there's ten, 10 ladies right so it's probably pretty hard to get all of you together unless you're all from the same state so how often do you practice before a show or throughout the season uh one of the girls on, on the team her name is sarah her and her husband own a drop zone in south carolina they have two 182s um and south carolina is pretty warm like most of the year they don't jump in yeah like end of december beginning of january there's like a month or so there where they don't really jump but otherwise you know um like when it gets colder in Michigan, we travel down to her place and do our flag jumps together and uh, work on our performances there. Or we also travel in like smaller groups, like we just go visit each other at our home drop zones and do some training with, with each other that way. Okay, cool. That was just one of my questions. I'm like, oh, I wonder how they train. I'm, I'm sure, because I see you ladies do the ramp dance. Uh, similar to aerobatics I'm like oh that's so cool like I think I filmed you guys lady I'm like oh cool so I'm like there's definitely some coordination involved so that got me thinking about that I'm like how do they practice and when so cool um and we're getting towards the end of my little mini impromptu interview so I have two final questions um one of them is I know you mentioned the aircraft that you jump out of is a Cessna mm -hmm. or is that typical or are there any other aircrafts that you've jumped out of what's your favorite aircraft if yeah so i own a cessna 182 that has the modifications on it for specifically for skydiving um and that well that's all i can afford but there are a lot of bigger <laughs> planes <laughs> that's, that's enough okay <laughs> um but there are, yeah, there are a lot of other um, aircraft um, that you can jump out of that are bigger. Okay. Um, like the King Air, there's a couple of King Air skydiving okay. planes in Michigan now. Caravan, um, caravans are popular, Twin Otters. Okay. Um, let's see, my favorite plane that I jumped out of, I think would be the C-130. Okay. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> in Dayton, yeah, that oh was, it was pretty amazing. Is there like a plane like other than that? Oh, oh no, can I change my mind? You can. Oh. <laughs> but I won't edit it. No, I'm just kidding. No. Because <laughs> I just remembered. What? I, I jumped the American flag out of, out of the Bombay doors of the um, Yankee Lady oh, for the wow. beginning of the air show at um, uh, uh, in Michigan. Uh, oh my goodness, pressure's on. So I'm forgetting cool. words. <laughs> The Yankee Lady. Willow Run. At Willow Run. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Okay, so that would be your favorite. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> it pretty like amazing. It. I could tell in your eyes. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute, I was just it was, kidding. It was, uh, it was such an honor to be, like, the whole combination yeah, of, I think like, the it's, history. it's the whole combination of the experience. It's not even just, like, one 
thing or it was just you know the honor of flying the flag at a show um that is also puts a lot of um display like they have a lot of displays for military and everything and i wanted to join the air force but i couldn't because i have asthma okay so so then then i became a welder because that was a good idea when you have asthma but (laughs) (laughs) like I wanted to join the military but um but I couldn't and so it was a huge honor just to be able to present the flag and fly it for everybody at the show and then to even be in you know one of like one of the antique should I say antique aircraft um you know and then the experience of being a a human bomb coming out the bottom of the door it's just the whole combination was it was a huge honor, and it was an amazing experience, too, wow. skydiving-wise. Okay, maybe I'll keep that. Maybe I will edit it. <laughs> I'll think about it. Um, I know you mentioned in the little bio you sent me that only 12% of skydivers are women. So I wanted to just briefly touch on that. Why do you think that, um, and I, I am promoting women in aviation, so that percentage is at that number, personally? Like, do not a lot of women pursue this, or do they not know about it? What are your thoughts? Well, I'm sure it's a multifaceted, like, it's, the reason is a multifaceted, right. you know, reasons for that. I think some of it is some people aren't introduced, okay. you know, to aviation. Me. I mean, I <laughs> like me. I mean, I, I mean, how many pilots will take, you know, a little girl with them to the airport to wrench and work on the airplane? Usually it's the little boys that end up getting the invitations more right. often, right? So just, like, from the beginning, there's... Gender stereotypes that end up, yeah. you know, starting some of that. Uh, so I'm sure that's that's part of it. Um, also, to go out and get into aviation and, yeah. you know, I mean, Just with an general. engine or not. Yeah. Well, that, that's what my podcast is about. It's like in, in aviation, whether you're in the flight deck or not. So yeah. aviation in yeah. general. I think. Or even wrenching on the planes, being an, an A&P. It's a big leap to say I want to do that with having minimal exposure and understanding of what it is that you're making the decision to get into so it ends up being like a bigger commitment like if if a woman thinks you know decides she wants to be in in A&P she probably has less experience than someone else her age of you know another gender so it's more of a commitment and there's a lot of fear behind the unknown and so it becomes harder to make a commitment and just do it Right. And then also, you're probably not going to have your friends to come with you right. because it's so hard to find people to right. do this stuff. Like, when I when I did my first skydive, I went with two friends, and they, they, they were just the one-and-done type. Like, that was it. And I couldn't be like that. So now you're going on your own to, you know, a place you're not comfortable, you know, being in. And an area you're, like, I knew nothing about airplanes. Absolutely nothing. And so, like, it's just a whole new experience. You go there without friends or social support or anything, and it's a big, it's a big step, you know. I mean, you build your like your social network, and you end up ha- like having your like your own family there. Like, once you get in there, and you know, everybody's really cool. Right. Just like with yeah, aviation, like well, air shows in general, like it's this little family that you learn to grow to love (laughs) and I'm like oh wow like it grows on you so I think what you're doing the the 10 of you or more is definitely empowering and when I saw you I was like wait wait, I have to talk to her I have to see what they're about which I think it's amazing what you're doing for women in aviation so 
that's that's cool thank you um one last question I know that was the last one the colors the pink and the blue I think is amazing against the sky (laughs) did you choose like obviously well no 1981 it was probably already chosen but was there a specific reason behind the colors or um that you know of I don't know not that I know of yeah okay you know nobody has asked (laughs) me that I love the colors though um I mean because you have like in like you kind of have represent representation of the stereotypical right colors for both genders and stuff right, right? and um and my guess would be because the original creator of the team loved blues music okay because the misty ah. blues started be they were the female team with grouped together with um another skydiving team with the guys so it it was the rhythm and the blues and the Misty Blues. So when I researched Misty Blues, like a jazz singer came up. Yeah, like, because okay. they love, or the person that started the Misty Blues loved blues music. Okay, so that I'm makes guessing sense. it's a it's a mix of like loving the blues and then with a little bit of pink. Okay, to represent like the women on the team too. That's awesome. So. Thank you. I think you all are amazing and you're true Wonder Woman of Aviation. Now, for those that are listening or watching, I haven't decided yet, where can they find you other than at an air show or learn more about you? So we have um, our website and then also social media. So we're on Facebook. um, And a lot of the girls, um, they do a lot of our social media um, posts there. Um, If anybody is listening and they're local and they live in Michigan, they can come to Skydive Michigan and there will be four of us there. Oh, awesome. Um, you know, any given weekend, okay. there's good weather. <laughs> <laughs> when it's not winter and snowing and <laughs> tornadoes. <laughs> yes. Oh. oh, my goodness. I, w- I, w- I was there when the tornado. No, I was still there. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was at the airport. I was at O'Hare. I worked at the airport. That's my other oh. job. So, oh, my gosh. I'm just like, it's been horrible. <laughs> it has been. It, so. it has been. But, yeah, me and Kim, we were packing the flags. And then me and Steve, we were working on um, pyro stuff. And, and I was like, there's tornado warnings! <laughs> I hate bad weather. I, I have respect for Mother Nature. I all, do. Like, weather, like, all of it. And so I was like, <gasps> tornado warning! <laughs> and I'm inside sheet metal! <sighs> Not a good combo. <laughs> well, Amanda, thank you. Thank you for, you know, taking the time. I know you're going to jump up again tonight, or are you guys done? Yes. Okay, yep. cool. Yep. All right, I'll let you get prepped for that. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast, Wonder Woman of Aviation, and see you later. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others or post about it on social media. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Now the world is ready for you.